You're listening to ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Medical Breakthroughs from Penn Medicine with your host, Northwestern University internist, Dr. Lee Friedman. How can new developments in limb salvage techniques help injured patients or those with diabetes avoid amputation? Joining us to discuss limb salvage strategies is Dr. Scott Levin, Professor and Chair of Orthopedic Surgery and Professor of Plastic Surgery at Penn Medicine. Welcome, Dr. Levin. Thank you, Lee. Good to be on with you today and your listeners. We are pleased to have you, and this sounds like a very exciting topic. Perhaps we could start with uh, the trauma patient. How often do you see uh, limb-threatening injuries in trauma patients? At the University of Pennsylvania, you know, we are a level one trauma center, which means we get the most acute patients those involved, for example, in falls from heights, from car accidents, uh, where they're crushed or pinned despite airbags. The motorcycle or bicyclist who falls off their bike usually has very high energy injuries impacted to their extremities with bones creating open fractures. That is, Lee, the bone actually comes through the skin. There can often what we call a degloving or quite mutilating injury to the soft tissue along with the fracture. And these are the kinds of limbs that are threatening in terms of the risk for amputation for these patients is high if not treated expeditiously, Uh, not only the bone issues, but the soft tissue issues. So these are very complex injuries, and I imagine these patients may have other internal injuries that also need to be addressed at the time that you're seeing them. Absolutely. So it's rare that we have an isolated fracture that I just described. Often, these patients will have systemic injuries, either contusion to their lungs, they could have internal bleeding, such as spleen or liver they can have head injury. So these are what we call polytrauma patients that are critically ill and in addition have all of these extremity problems that we have to manage in concert with our traumatologists, such as those that do general surgery, our neurosurgery colleagues who may be treating somebody with a brain injury, and of course the orthopedic trauma department here, which is a very strong, that immediately gets involved in the trauma bay when these patients come in to assess and begin limb-sparing and limb-saving treatment. So there's a lot of uh, coordination and triage, I imagine, involved. And then if there is one of these complex extremity injuries identified, what type of uh, approaches or techniques do we have to try to salvage the limb? Well, that's a good question. First of all, we are very aggressive when it comes to provided, and I underscore for your listeners, provided that the patient is stable from a heart and lung and brain standpoint, such a patient will go immediately and expeditiously to the operating room. The uh, hallmark of basic care is to wash out the open wounds, make sure that the wound environment gets cleaned, do what we call provisional or definitive stabilization, depending on the status of the patient. Provisional means we will align the fractures. We may place a device called an external fixator, which means we put pins into the bones above and below, say, the fracture area where the open wound might be, and connect these pins with the bar. So that's provisional stabilization. It may be that the fractures can be definitively fixed, which means they can be treated with screws or plates or what we call intramedullary devices. Those are basically steel rods or titanium rods that go into the marrow of the bone. If your listeners remember breaking and open a, a chicken wing, the hard bone around the periphery is called the cortical bone, and inside is the marrow. So if you have a broken leg, often in the femur or the tibia or the humerus, we will put what we call an intramedullary nail in that bone 
to stabilize it. And then once the stabilization is done, we can use our very sophisticated expertise here at Penn in trauma limb soft tissue reconstruction to close the wounds, usually with local tissue or skin grafts, and very often in these patients what we call flaps, free flaps, which are microvascular transfers where we will borrow muscle or skin or tissues from someplace in the body and transport that tissue on its blood supply using the operating microscope. That's fascinating. I would imagine there is a lot of vascular injury with this type of trauma. Indeed. The injuries, if you will, are often classified based on the presence or absence of vascular injury. And if there's a major blood vessel that is disrupted or torn or severed or lacerated, then that in and of itself is a limb-threatening event, meaning Mm -hmm. the blood vessels have to be repaired either directly, which is unusual, or what we call bypass graft, similar to a patient with poor circulation in the extremities. Some of your listeners may have heard patients have a bypass graft similar to a heart bypass, this is done in the extremities, to reestablish blood flow in this limb. And if that's not done, and not done expeditiously, within a matter of hours, the patient will lose their leg. So you're working side-by-side with the vascular surgeons and stabilizing the bone, uh, establishing adequate circulation, and then some of the techniques you talked about in terms of flapping for the soft tissues. Right. The wounds, of course, are what we call debrided. Debriding means taking away any contamination from the road or grass or gravel, cleaning all the tissue planes very, very carefully because the biggest risk of these open severe injuries, Lee, is infection. Mm-hmm. We want to avoid infection. Absolutely. And have there been certain advances that have made the outlook for these patients brighter, uh, either in terms of surgical technique or perhaps antibiotic development? Well, that's a good question. First of all, our antibiotics are getting more and more sophisticated all the time. But as a trauma orthopedic or orthoplastic surgeon, I should call myself, that is performing both orthopedics and plastic surgery, often simultaneously, if I had the choice between adequate debridement and expeditious care of a patient and stabilization and flaps versus all the antibiotics in the world, antibiotics will not work if a wound is not properly debrided. So the other advances certainly include the integrated soft tissue and bone approach I mentioned, the so-called orthoplastic approach, which we've popularized. More importantly, our ability to do these microsurgical transfers. In other words, if there's a large area of muscle or skin or even bone missing, we can replace that from other places in the body with like tissue, sort of replacing like with like is the motto of reconstructive surgeons, and we're very, very good at that. So what was thought to be 10 or 20 years ago a dismal situation, our patients have almost immediate access to those very sophisticated microvascular techniques, which in concert with the bone stabilization techniques, the trauma team, good nutrition, adequate attention to all the other systems will result in limb salvage. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Medical Breakthroughs from Penn Medicine on ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Lee Friedman, and joining me to discuss limb salvage strategies is Dr. Scott Levin, Professor and Chair of Orthopedic Surgery and Professor of Plastic Surgery at Penn Medicine. 
Uh, Dr. Levin, another area where I think about limbs being in jeopardy uh, is in the diabetic. Uh, Do you see this type of patient frequently? All the time. The patient that has what we call peripheral vascular disease, many of these patients are prone to circulatory disorders, both in the patient with peripheral vascular disease and diabetics that you mentioned that have their own problems associated with their blood vessels. The vessels can become what we call calcified or uh, hard and brittle. The openings of those vessels, called the lumen of the artery, where the blood flows, becomes narrowed and impacts in a very adverse way the blood and nutrition and oxygen and nutrients that get to the toes, that get to the feet. And many of those patients, not only because of their blood supply, but because of neuropathy. And the feet often become insensate. So it's very common for a diabetic to present to us with blood vessel disease, with ulcers in the feet or in the heel or in the forefoot. And we actually now, working with our vascular surgeons and some of the reconstructive plastic surgery techniques that I mentioned to you before, can be applied to the diabetic. And instead of those feet and legs being amputated, even in severe cases, they can be salvaged with a combination of blood vessel surgery to open up blocked channels and then soft tissue techniques to reestablish or restore tissue in these compromised feet. Very good. So in this situation, we're not dealing with any uh, fractures or broken bones, but it's more the compromise of the circulatory system and the nervous system that can allow these polymicrobial, deep, ulcerated, uh, infectious wounds to really threaten the limb. Do some of the microsurgical techniques you were mentioning with flaps and all also apply to these diabetic patients? They do indeed. The hallmark or the requirement for some of these very severe diabetics is that we have inflow and outflow. So we need good arteries going in and good veins coming back to apply some of our microsurgical techniques, which these are very, very precision-oriented techniques. They're things that we do at pen medicine all the time in uh, plastic surgery and in orthopedics, and particularly patients who have threatened extremities or are told there's nothing we can do for you, you have an ulcer, this foot or this leg has to be amputated. We, We address those kinds of problems all the time here, often with success at limb salvage. That's wonderful. And I think of the diabetic with a complicated ulcer, getting antibiotics, getting aggressive debridement. At what point do you think about, hey, this person needs a bypass, this person needs a peripheral angioplasty in order for this to be successful? Well, that's an excellent question. As you just mentioned, the first pass, no pun intended for these patients, is to assess their vascular status. So we work very closely here at Penn Medicine with Ron Fearman, with Grace Wang, some other uh, vascular surgeons on the faculty here that are excellent. And we ask them to assess these patients. We have ways of doing minimally invasive techniques, Lee, that can assess their blood inflow. Uh, If they have hardening of the arteries or block segments where blood's not getting through, the first order of business in these patients, as you suggested, is either an angioplasty where we can balloon or dilate the vessels open, or we actually do a bypass where we put new pipes in, if you will, new conduits for blood flow to go into the extremities. And then subsequently, once we've reestablished the potential for good blood supply, we do the debridement and we see if the wounds can heal with local wound care or with moving tissue from one place to the other within the foot or ankle, and then often 
we are required to import tissue, as I mentioned with the microvascular techniques that we discussed a few minutes ago. And uh, with Penn being a leader in this area as well as several others, as you look toward the future, either in trauma or in these more medical patients, uh, are there new developments that you are looking forward to? Well, I think that we don't have to look too far into the future. We learn a lot of things, uh, tragically, from our war injured. And I've been involved, as have others here at Penn, uh, Dr. Schwab, uh, Bill Schwab, who's chief of our uh, trauma program here. We've been involved in the care of extremity war injuries in, in several of our warriors, our wounded warriors. And we've learned a lot about their soft tissue injuries, which are now devastating. And pointing to the future, one of the things that your listeners probably have heard about are the issues related to some of the hand transplantations that have been done. And I'm not saying that any time in the future, repeat, I am not saying that we're going to be transplanting feet and legs and so forth, but there are transplant programs that have been established to transplant hands of patients who have had trauma or mutilating injuries or non-salvageable extremities. And I think that some of the transplantation technology, if we look five or ten years into the future, may apply to extremity reconstruction, either bones and joints or components of muscles with nerves or things that are needed by our patients now that we cannot provide even with the microsurgical reconstructive techniques that we've talked about. That would be the future. That is fascinating and what a wonderful thing to be able to hope for uh, sometime in the future to be able to have a transplant and have a fully functional extremity when uh, one was uh, otherwise faced with losing the entire limb. Well, Dr. Levin, thank you so much for being our guest this week on Medical Breakthroughs from Penn Medicine. My pleasure, Lee. Good to talk to you. You've been listening to Medical Breakthroughs from Penn Medicine on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. To download this program or access ReachMD on demand, please visit us at ReachMD.com. Thank you for listening.